0: Hello and welcome to Podcast Industry Experts, your monthly slice of podcast industry news served with a side of expert opinions. I'm Matthew Stevens, the head of marketing and content strategy here at Up Audio.
1: And I'm John Luckenbaugh, the lead audio engineer and owner of Up Audio. Together, we're your podcast industry experts. On the first Friday of every month, we'll be breaking down what the latest podcast news actually means for podcasters and talking shop with other podcast industry experts. From current events. To the latest statistics.
0: And everything in between. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Podcast Industry Experts. This is February of 2022 and we are sitting down with Mark Asquith the co-founder of Captivate and Rebel Based Media. Mark, how are you doing? Well, I'm quite all right. Thank you very much. I appreciate
2: it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm the same old, you
0: know, but I'm just same
2: and old now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 35 now. And let me tell you, I've noticed over recent uh, times, like the back starts hurting a little bit more. You start just going, oh man, I really am getting old. Some gray hairs are starting to pop up. It's uh, young me is laughing at old me.
2: Oh, wait till you get to my age, man. I'm 39. Wait until you get to my age, my ripe old age. Uh, I'm way past (laughs) that. Oh, well, you know, you don't look it. You've got that nice, nice dark beard. You know, I've still got the gray in there. So yeah, don't give me that. I I know what you're up to.
1: (laughs) I won't get any closer to the screen.
0: That is the bonus of doing this all remote is, you know, like you just go like, my camera quality is awful. Like, I'm just going to downgrade it a little bit. You can't look too hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Look at the pixels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not blurry. The, the, the camera is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Captivate, as we talked about, it is a favorite of ours here as a hosting company. Uh, we use it. We, we recommend our clients use it. Uh, we recommend all podcasters use it. To be honest with you, out of all the ones that we've tried, Captivate is the one that we like the most. Not a commercial, not a sponsored ad, but just want to throw it out there. And you guys are—we uh, said it right before we start recording—kicking ass. I mean, you guys are putting out features seemingly like every week now. Uh, you guys are doing wonderful over there, Mark.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's our job. You know, that's the—that's the, that's the irony of it. I don't know. I don't know how other people don't. What they're doing with the time, I honestly do not know what I do with the time that I spend working. I, 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 I can't think of what my time would be like if we weren't just building stuff. So no, I appreciate it. I think speed and quality are, are important. I think it's a very fine line. I think you've got to you you've got to make sure that you tread it really nicely and that you you focused on the right sort of things. So I appreciate it. Yeah, everything that we do is for podcasters. You know, everything that we do is for creators. So I appreciate it.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, I appreciate you, Mark. Uh, you you guys are. Are making our jobs easier you're making the jobs for independent podcasters easier let's let's go over a quick few things that you guys have done just over the last few months dynamic ad insertion your big amy reveal that got added in we've certainly used it a lot here both with clients and ourselves uh, it works wonderfully and it's i think probably one of the most intuitive versions that i've seen out there i mean anchor libsyn all, all the other ones that we've used uh megaphone this one's I think, the the easiest, personally, to use. Then you guys went ahead and did interview management and guest booking. You also went ahead and integrated with Squadcast in, in a little bit. And then recently, as of the week of this recording, you guys released the Dynamic Show Notes Builder. So, really, everything I think a podcaster needs right right there, uh, those three things. And that's not even going into the network features. That's not even going into just everything else that Captivate can do. Those are the recent new features that you guys have had there. And and honestly, that's that's about everything I think a podcaster truly needs to get started and really make money and, and do great things. Uh, if you wouldn't mind maybe, maybe talking a little bit about what those features are and, and why you guys built them the way you did.
2: Well, I can think of more things that people need that might be being released very shortly, uh, which is good. Yeah, we never take the foot off. I think it's important to understand what we're trying to achieve with Captivate. A lot of people build features for themselves, like to either fill a feature list up or just because they get a bit of a bee in their bonnet about, you know, we want to do this thing because it's it's what we want to do. And I just think both those things are just silly because without you, Captivate doesn't exist. And it, it sort of baffles me that other hosting companies, like they sort of don't prove that they care. Like they say they do, but they don't really prove it, you know? So that's that's always been my real basic is that, if I am going to tell you that I care about your work, then I, my only job is to prove that. I can't lie to you. you know that, that, that's silly. That's always like a bit of a true north. you know it, Is this a genuine product that we're building that genuinely helps people that you know sort of our approach to that is we should only integrate something and do it when we can do it properly and fully, not just kind of half bake it just to get it on our feature list when it comes to feature releases. This year we've not even got started, which is fun. When we did Amy. Audio monetization integration engine. We got that as a three-module rollout, which is which is really cool. So, module one is the thing that we put out last year, as you know. And the goal with that one was just to bring enterprise quality and and quality that everyone said, "Oh, you've got to be on Megaphone or Libsyn Pro for." No, you don't. That's crap. But let's not do that. And then to do it in such a way that just because you're quote-unquote hobbyist or an indie, like why should you be penalized for that? Why should you get a, a subpar version? I didn't. I never understand. Like there was other hosts out there that were. Yeah, we do dynamic content. Well, you do pre-roll and you do post-roll, which is sort of the easy bits. Like I could, you could do that in fifteen minutes. That is pretty easy, and it's boring. The way that we approach everything, and especially with Amy, was well, what can we do that gives you, the day-to-day podcaster, access to tools that other people wouldn't give you because it's not in their interest to have to build or maintain them. Then also how can we make sure that you've got access to tools that the big publishers have got access to when you don't see yourself as a big publisher? Like, How do you become a big publisher? You have to get better and you have to do more work and you have to have the tools that you display. Do you know what I mean? That's like sort of saying to someone, right, you need to bring your golf handicap down, but I'm not going to give you any golf clubs until you've got a scratch handicap. Or I'm not going to give you a guitar to learn how to play until you're a grade five guitarist. We approached Amy from the perspective of, let's bring enterprise level tools to the day-to-day podcaster. You know, Captivate's target market. There's a reason we don't have a free plan. You know, we don't want to give Amazon vouchers out. We don't want to get every, everyone podcasting on Captivate. That's not our interest. You know, we, our interest is if you are serious about growing your podcast, and, and what, what I mean by that is because everyone gets offended by that. Like, well, you're saying that I'm not serious? Well, what I'm saying is that if you are willing to learn and spend time, then you are for us. That's what I determined to be serious. You know, like I'm not a serious golfer. I'm terrible because I don't hit a thousand balls every day. I've got no interest in doing that. But on a Saturday, I might go out and whack a few. I'm not a serious golfer, and it's the same with podcasting. So Captivate doesn't want to help everyone. It wants to help the person that thinks to themselves, "You know what? I'm going to give this a go, and I'm really going to give this a go." So. With Amy and, 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 and all that side of things, you know, we could have just put pre-roll out. We could have just put post-roll out. They're the easy, easy bits. But what's the point? That sort of doesn't help you. So we approached it from the perspective of, well, look, let's give you mid-rolls. Let's give you a bulk ad editor so you can go back and do the inventory all at once. Let's give you an ad painter because there's no point in giving you a tool and then tying your hand with it. You know, if you've baked in an advert and, and you're thinking, well, wait a second, I've got this amazing mid-roll technology, but oh my God, I've baked in this other advert. You can't use it. So we're tying your hands by not giving you a, a, an ad painter. So does Captivate have any primary goals when approaching product development? We've only got one goal, which is to help you to grow your audience. And when you've grown that audience, it's to help you to monetize the audience. And we, we, we can only do that in two ways. Well, three ways, really. But you know, one of them is not really platform-focused. One way that isn't platform-focused is education. So we've got our growth labs. We've got our education piece. Uh, all my content that goes out, it's all free. You know, We, we don't charge for that. But the, the, the two things that the platform can do, they can either give you a very specific tool to help you to monetize or grow. So I'm thinking some of the features that we've got coming down the wire for monetization. I was on the train yesterday down to Global, first day at the new offices yesterday. Kieran and I went down. We were testing one of the features, uh, which is about monetization. That's coming like really soon. You know, we can either give you a tool that will help you single promo link, first party attribution links, uh, Amy, that's going to help you. Or we can give you something that will help you. By proxy in that it will give you time back show notes builder uh, guest book and interview management we've only really got two streams of thought which are let's build out things that help save time or let's actually build things that directly generate either audience growth or profitability you know they're the only the only things that we can do Mark as you mentioned, saving podcasters time we could definitely
1: see that in the release of the guest booking and interview management stuff and then That goes right into your latest release with the Show Notes Builder, which will save the
2: podcaster even more time. Everything that we do is almost like it's falling forward all the time. I think one of the interesting things as a podcaster is that everything's so disparate. You know, the last couple of years, last three or four years in particular, there's been a a startup pop-up every single week trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist or a problem that, that does exist, but where they'll come across the Evernote problem, you know, the Evernote problem is that Evernote is that good that I will use it because it's better than writing things down or taking notes. But actually, I can probably make do with taking notes if they ask me for 20 bucks a month. You see these startups that are popping up and saying, well, actually, we can solve this problem for you. Well, it's not really a problem. you know. I mean, it it sort of is, but I wouldn't pay for it to to be solved. So what, what Captivate can do is, because of the way that we've structured the business, we can give you tools that complement your hosting and complement your podcast production and workflow and management and marketing and promotion and monetization. But number one, we don't need to make money from them because that's not our business. And number two, because everything's first party, we can do other things that other people can't with that data. So your guest data, we can put it in show notes. We can put it in social profiles. We can put it wherever. It's a very interesting approach and that's how we, that's how we do that sort of thing. So, no, it, it really is all about helping the user. And I know everyone says that. We just try to genuinely live by it and genuinely, you know, put, put features out that we'd use. Honestly, most of our features are because I'm a lazy podcaster, like legit. You know, I don't want to write show notes. I'm terrible at it. So, oh, I hate that. I can build them. I don't read show notes either.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh it's I, tough. It's tough. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's got to uh, do it because we uh, don't. <laughs> Mark, I, I got to say, I mean, the overall thing that I've noticed here in podcasting is that, I mean, there, there is a lot of talk. I think everyone says, well, we want to help the independent podcaster. We want to help the young podcaster, the new podcaster. And, and a lot of it's lip service. I mean, even amongst the other experts out there, a lot of people are are pushing into things that like, uh, just it doesn't, doesn't relate to those people as much. And it's real easy to think that, you know, we need to be 10 steps ahead, but forgetting the base stuff. One thing I got to say about you and obviously everyone at Captivate is is clearly you guys think about the the new podcaster about like you said the person that's that's trying to do all those things as a single person doesn't have a team behind them and for as much as you mentioned you guys don't have a free plan you know seventeen dollars a month not a lot in the grand scheme of things and I mean just just the the link support that you guys have the the being able to create short links. If I were to do that somewhere else, like there's pro versions of Linktree that that are going to cost me ten bucks a month or whatever. By the time you add all those features up, it's going to be more than what I'm paying for Captivate, and I get podcast hosting on top of it. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Especially if you've got a two, three hundred dollar microphone you're talking into, a hundred dollar pair of headphones, a thousand dollar computer, or even a five hundred dollar computer. Seventeen bucks a month to do it right and to get that time back makes a lot of sense as an investment from an individual or even just as a team like ourselves. Uh, we, we obviously have the business plan, but, but even that makes a ton of sense. It saves us time, it saves us energy, and it allows us to do things that we could not do easily or at all on other hosting providers, which I, I think is brilliant, man. So uh, hats off to, to you, hats off to Kieran, hats off to everybody over there at Captivate for not only thinking about that stuff, but for iterating all that stuff ridiculously quick previous life was in development i know it's not easy to push out features like this and to do it quickly and to be able to say hey third quarter we're going to do this and actually hit on those those dates i know that is near impossible in the development world unless you are are on top of it so hats off man
2: thank you i appreciate that and you know what The, the distinction with new podcasters we actually purposely don't target new podcasters or existing podcasters and the reason for that is my goal is not to help a new podcaster or an existing podcaster. The way that we define our podcasters are those that are serious about it. It doesn't matter whether you're just starting or not. My only goal is for someone not to feel bad. And the reason for that is that, you know, I, I came into podcasting at a time where I was like, why is it difficult to link this thing to WordPress? So we created a podcast websites, the business. And I got hammered for it. You know, there were people that had been in podcasting since 2005. And, I, you know, we started a business up, they hammered us for it. And I was like, right. You guys are trying to make me feel bad. I'm going to do something now to stop other people feeling like you've tried to make me feel. And you know, I'll see you at at the conferences and let's show you what we can do. Because it's the worst thing that you can do is make someone that's getting into something feel bad because they don't know everything about it. So that's our goal with new podcasters. That's what the free education is. You know, that's what my my live streams and, and 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 I've got a very outspoken attitude against the the kind of type of people that will try and put people down. And that, that's Captivate's brand inherently is, is, is based on that set of ethics is that everyone, everyone should have the time of day put into it. And a lot of hosting companies as well will target like the new podcast because they've not got a hosting platform. Well, of course they've not got a hosting platform. And that's all well and good, but it's easy to look good when someone doesn't know any better. From our side, we've never, we've never set that up. Oh, sure, on our website, we've got a question. Are you new? Are you, are you sort of existing? But that's purely from a, that is a pure SaaS marketing thing that if you tell us the answer to that, we know where to send you best. The brand doesn't exist for that. The brand exists to say, if you are serious about this, we will help you. And I promise that we will give you everything. And that, I think that's why some of our content stands out, You know, my Accelerator show and stuff, because you get a lot, of, a lot of hosting companies that they podcast because they're in podcasting like they've sort of got to, it's like never trust a fat personal trainer, never trust a podcast host that doesn't podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We got into podcast hosting because we were podcasting for years before it. We're not podcasting because we're in podcasting. It's the exact opposite. It fascinates me. Honestly, the market fascinates me and the way that it changes so much and the way that the other hosts do things and the way that we do things. I think you know, there's, there's someone for everyone, so there's never a bad host. But I think you just got to wear your hat on your sleeve a little bit more. I don't see any harm in that in business these days. You know, what's the point in pretending?
0: I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that's the the way to live life for that matter. Absolutely. So Mark, you have briefly mentioned
1: about working with Global. So Captivate was recently acquired by this UK-based radio group. How will this deal evolve Captivate's standing within the ad buying marketplace and overall monetization for independent podcasters?
2: That's a good question. So Captivate was acquired very recently uh, by Global. So Global is a, like you said, that is, is an independent radio company based out of Leicester Square in the UK. Um, they own a lot of radio stations, Capital, Heart, Classic FM, um, a huge range of, of stuff. They own all the outdoor advertising in the UK and they own Dax, uh, Digital Ad Exchange, which is um, you know, as you said, is a is an ad company, you know, a digital audio uh, ad company. Captivate, you know, brings to global the hosting distribution and the and the front end part of, of Amy, you know, the ability to do the front end part of, of of what something like a Dax actually requires. As you guys well know, you know that Amy module two brings ad integration. And whether that's with ad in the past, um, or whether it's someone like Dax or so whomever, it would need to be an ad exchange partner, someone that can, you know, match parameters against branded inventory and then send the inventory across through to our inventory, match them up, do the campaigns, run the parameters, do the monetization part of it. So we always had to integrate with that anyway. And then the global conversations came around. You know, they, they wanted something like what we did. We were interested in, in their approach and in, in being a UK company. And frankly, as founders, you know, it was for Kieran and I, you know, as much as you love your business, which we do, and we're still running it day to day. And and you can see you know, when we got bought, people were like, it's going to change. You're going to slow down. I was like, all right, well, you stick around and we'll see. It's the same company, but they, they interested us from that DAX perspective and from the ability as well to affect the industry. You know, we're, a, we're part of a billion dollar company now, and you've got someone that's as outspoken as me, along with the founders there and the people there that are already in that game. You know, it's, it really is a good match. So, when it comes to the, the monetization, as we said, you know, you guys know we've got Amy Module 2 that's on its way out, and that will bring DAX integration. You know, it will bring the ability for people that have got the right type of show and the right you know, brand safety elements and aspects in place. To be able to start working with programmatic advertising, to be able to start working on a parametered basis to pull in the right type of monetization. So it was number one, it was always part of the plan anyway with Captivate. Number two, we now have more scope to be able to do better with that. You know, I was, my morning yesterday was with the DAX team and some of the guys there on on the dev side, a couple of the founders of DAX, and really talking on a peer to peer level, not sort of a, you've been acquired, we is boss. You know, it was like, what do you you know? What does Captivate think? You, you guys do what you do. You're the experts at what you do. How can Dax do this? So it's a huge opportunity. It really is. But I think as well, when you overlay what Captivate's real mission around monetization is, I'm sick of gurus sort of saying monetize this way or that way. There is it's diversity, all right. Captivate's mission is diversity in revenue. You know, the last thing you want, and and you know, having been in business running running up, you'll know this. You know, you you never have one income stream. It's a multiple revenue stream business. Every business is multiple revenue streams, so that if one is struggling, the others can hold the the weight. Um, And I think as podcasters, we don't think like that. And I don't think we're taught to think like that. I don't think other hosts think like that. So our goal with Captivate is to help you to diversify in terms of monetization. Well, look, okay, what have we got here? We've We've got this revenue stream coming in here. We've got this revenue stream coming in here. We've got sponsors coming in here. We've got direct deals. We've got DAX monetization here. Actually, suddenly I'm paying my mortgage from five different revenue streams. And if one of them goes, sure, it's a, it's a pain, but actually the rest of them remain. Um, so DAX is one big element to that. But the other thing that that allows us to do is really start to work with some of the branded podcasts, some of the, the, the talent that you'd see sort of signed to major deals and bring that Captivate interface to a level that... Um, Will benefit the indie producer on the back of experiences of those that are dealing with multi-million dollar deals, so that we can say, actually, here's what it takes to get to that level. Because look, here's what it took. You know, we the, the learnings that we'll get together collectively as captivate customers and and as a team from from popping on uh, to captivate a big podcast that generates multi-billion dollars in sponsorship revenue. Like the learnings there alone are worth it for the independent podcaster. So there's a range of benefits to it which fascinate me completely
0: yeah that's that's actually interesting The the idea that uh you know podcasting's still relatively new and, and there's not a ton of shows out there making a million dollars there's there's not a ton of joe rogans out there everything considered when you when you think about the number of podcasts so yeah like i think i think the the medium as a whole is still trying to figure out what goes into that what happens how do you work around the the hurdles that nat- naturally come up with that stuff so yeah, that's that's awesome, Mark. I I think that's fantastic. Just to be able to learn that information and have a an end goal and what what it took to get there and and what issues came up, what positives came up uh, that that allowed you to get to that point. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's a funny thing when you when you go through a, a deal process like that as well, especially when you've been in indie. It was really about positioning for the for the users. It was very interesting to see why why Global came to us. And it was, it was for how we act. It was how we are. Um, and the earnestness that, that then tracks through to the stuff that we deliver. You know, we, like you said earlier, it's not lip service. If I say something, it will happen. And if it's not going to happen, I'll tell you why it's not going to happen. It'll be really straight straight out. And it, it is always funny when you, especially in podcasting, because podcasting is one of those things that um, if you're not careful, you can become quote unquote evil just because you're making money. Yeah, you know, if you've got a problem solved that you've got a product for, they'll love you until you say to them, actually it costs you a bit of money, because then you're evil for trying to exploit them. And it's it's just the way of the world. You know, it it really is what it is. I think what's fascinating about the way it's worked in podcasting is that I think it's inspired a lot more consolidation in the industry. I think it it, it will you know, I truly believe there will only be four or five good hosts left in five or six years and that they will be part of other things. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you know, speaking personally at a personal level, you know, we we do get up and we work 14, 15 hours a day, and we we have done for a long, long time. And you, you know, you your your family relies on you being around, and you know, you're doing this for your our salaries, Kieran and I's salaries are the last to come out of the bank account. You know, we're always the last to be paid rightly so. But actually, we've got houses that we pay for with Captivate. We've got, you know, our, our children' their shoes are paid for by Captivate, and so, th- so this this affects us. When you do come up against something like an acquisition like this with Global, it gives the founders a chance to take a little bit of the chips off the table, stop worrying so much, but actually be able to take more risks and be a little bit more gutsy and a little bit more ballsy because, you know, no one's going to come and take your house if if you can't pay the bill. That's so great. So are there any changes in the development
1: schedule working with Global, Mark? as in like what features get built first?
2: The only changes are that we can move quicker. And, and the reason for that is that we're not, you know, founders. A lot of people don't see this, especially the people that you sometimes get in support that are like, "Why is it taking you twenty minutes to get back to me?" It's like well, because quite literally, I've been dealing with ten other people that said the same thing. You know, so you, you know, I think the thing it does is it takes a little bit of pressure off in that regard. You know, I, I'm not running management across the entire business. Kieran's not running finance and 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 setting payroll up, and you know, I'm not I'm not arranging partnership meetings when because someone else at global can talk about DAX. It gives us time back, so actually we um. Kieran and I were talking about it yesterday, one of the features that we're putting out around monetization, I think it's been done in about a week and a half. And we were like, why is it Why is it only taking that? Well, actually, because we're doing it eight, 10, 15 hours a day. you know. It, we, whereas before it was like, well, we'll do four hours on that. And then we've got this thing to do, and then we've got payroll to set up. So it's actually working really well so far. And I think the other thing as well that it does for Captivate's dev schedule is it means that we can be really focused on stuff. Like what tends to happen in, in any business is, you know, it's sort of funny like you, you you'll hear other other I don't listen to any other like podcasters podcasts but Kieran listens to I think a couple of them just because he, he worries about it a bit more you know and, and and someone will say right we're releasing this feature you know and, and and in the past when you're independent it's like oh crap we should probably look at doing that and now i mean we've we never have done you know if you look at everything we've put out we've not really followed suit from anything you know I don't think there's anything that maybe private podcasting I think a couple of people had that before us but then we we were doing it with podcast websites in like 2014. Everything else that we've done has been sort of leading from the front. And whilst we try to keep that mantra, there is no lying and no denying that when you do hear someone else saying, Oh, we're releasing feature X or we've just put it out as an indie, you think, Oh, God, damn it. You know, should we do that? Whereas now we can be really gutsy. We can say, You know what? We really are doubling down on just what our roadmap is because we're pretty confident in it. So that that's, I think that's the thing that it'll change on is just the, the speed at which we can get things out because we're not doing the startup running the business stuff. And number two, we can't swing really, you know, for beyond the fences
0: because we don't have to be looking over our shoulder.
1: That's a great feeling. <laughs> that would be a great
0: feeling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's quite nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, like the, once you have that, this might sound awful, but, but once you have like that financial security of like, we, we've been acquired, we know this company isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So like we can just do what we do. We don't have to fret about following the joneses you know our neighbor got a maserati we don't need to get a maserati in terms of like development or in terms of mm-hmm. what you're doing and then like you said mark now now you have that additional support staff which takes up so much time and a- anybody who is a an independent podcaster certainly knows it. when you have to do one of eight things anybody who's been a freelancer certainly knows it. when you got to do payroll if you own a small business you know it because You do every step of the small business from HR all the way to the job itself. And you you find that out of an eight-hour day, a 10-hour day, yeah, like just a very small portion is the thing that you actually do for a living. It's all those small things. So yeah, that that makes a ton of sense that it just, it gives you the mental and emotional freedom just be able to go, look, let's just do what we do. Let's just focus because clearly it works.
2: Yeah, it really does. It is a funny thing, you know, because what's fascinating is like there was a couple of people really cynically in one of our Facebook groups, like just having a little cry about the acquisition and stuff. And it was like a quarter of a half percent of our users that would, would and, but you always get one. of course. And they were, they were saying sort of, you know, oh, things will change and, you know, you know you, this is what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a second. So let me put it into another context, right? I, I, I get my shoes on, I get in the car, I drive down to the Lego store. I go down into the Lego shop and I walk up, and there's a $600 Millennium Falcon there. So I buy the $600 Millennium Falcon because I really, really want the Millennium Falcon. I've done the due diligence on the Millennium Falcon. I get home, drive all the way home, pull the Millennium Falcon out of the box, and build a house out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just buy some other Lego, you know? And so the point is that people don't buy things to stop them doing the thing that they bought. It's an inbuilt cynicism because as soon as you get to someone that's, you know, you know you've been bought out by this company, it's like they're a corporate. They are a corporate, but they're run by people and they've bought in people that have not worked for corporate for 20 years. And this is the other thing like, no one knows the terms of the deal. Like, we don't, we don't sell, we do our due diligence as well as they do theirs. If there's something in there in the stipulations of running the business that we don't like, we have a business that is a multi million dollar business we can walk back into. Without selling it, so it's you don't need to sell to change things so, you know you, so that was the, that was the sort of fun thing with that was that well, wait a sec, throughout none of these circumstances was anything to do with changing how a business would run. It, it was if anything, to run it more like you expect you know it's um I do find it interesting. I remember when you know Google was sort of smaller and scrappy, and now they're the behemoth that no one likes And it's you know it, it, it's the old Harvey Dent quote you know, from the dark night, you know, you, 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 you die a hero or live long enough to become the villain to some people, sadly. And I think <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's, it, it's inevitable, you know, and it's, it, like I said, it was sort of funny because there was only a, it was a quarter of a half a percent. It was like one user out of 5,000 or one user out of two users out of 10,000. That was like, Oh, I'm a bit uncomfortable. And I do get why. And my message to them was always, well, just stick around. You know, I'll well, let's just see because we, we we can prove it, we can prove that nothing will change. That's so funny, Mark, because this weekend we were
1: watching the NFL playoffs with my with my daughters. And they're like, "Who are you root- rooting for?" I'm like, "I'm rooting against Tom Brady." And they're like, "Why?" <laughs> I'm like, "Cause he's the greatest winner ever for football." He, and they're like, "Well, why don't you cheer for him?" It's like because he's won too much, and, that, and that's exactly that's yeah. exactly what you what you're pointing at. It's like he became
2: the villain because he won too much. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, look how, you know people relish Tiger Woods fall from grace. But then it was sort of ironic because they relished his fall from grace. And then when he was down and he was out, they relished his comeback because suddenly he was the underdog again.
1: Yeah. And that's just it. So at the beginning of the game, yes, we were rooting against Tom Brady to win because he won too much. But when he was down 27 to three, he had a history of coming back during a Super Bowl when he was down 27 to three and winning it. So again, we found him down 20 to 7 to 3, and we actually started to root for him. And he actually made it into a game, and they had a chance to win. They ended up falling short in the end, but still, it was, it was crazy to come the whole spectrum of starting a game, rooting against somebody because they won too much, to being that underdog and cheering for them to actually pull off the upset. After being down by so much,
2: and uh, it's it's weird, you know. I think we've just basically told the entire Rocky saga
0: through. <laughs> 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 yeah. well, it, it is interesting, and, and we've kind of hit on this theme throughout this episode thus far. Is is the notion that, you know, I think the creative arts and and podcasting, is certainly a creative uh, in, endeavor, people seem to be a little quicker to to jump to. You're a sellout. If you make any money from it, you're a sellout. If you do this, you're a sellout. Same thing with bands. Same thing with with anything, really. Like you're a sellout. It's like, well, look, I got a mortgage to pay, man. Like, I, I there are things that need to happen here. There are things that that are far-reaching beyond this. So, like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit of a sellout. But like, in order to to do what you want me to do, I've got to sell out a little bit. Uh, it's hard to go ahead and, and you know be a rock band in your 70s, still living in a in a panel van because exactly. you didn't sell out. Eventually, you need a little help. The answer to that is always, "That's cool. I'm glad you,
2: you know, I'm glad that you volunteer at your job sixty hours a week." Exactly. And and obviously, no one ever does. And I think one of the things that a lot of people don't see about a company like Captivate is that you know, for every one acquisition, there's fifty offers turned down. I I talked about this on Captivate Insider. We 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 got approached so many times. You know, from day one, like people offered to buy Captivate before it had launched. Yeah, that was weird. Why, Why would you do that? we put ourselves on a site to sort of get a feel for what people really wanted to do with capture we put ourselves on micro acquire and uh, you know we we just stuck a, an arbitrary price on there and, and 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 we'd never intended on on selling the thing um but it was just to see what people came out of the woodwork because you can waste a lot of time as a founder on people that you know come in saying all sorts of great things but when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of it, actually, they don't want to do those great things. And it, what it does is it trains you what type of acquisition you'd want. And 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 you remember your worst case is that you just carry on trading, going through a process of turning down. Like we turned down a lot of acquisitions. We've never sought an acquisition, even though, you know, some of the back channel stuff, you know, some other hosts of, you know, I've spoken to them like, oh, I can't believe you, you're thinking about selling because we were on this micro-acquire side. Like We weren't. We were never thinking about selling. We just wanted to make sure that we knew what the climate was like. And we knew actually that all these 10 emails that we get a week, we had to teach ourselves how to filter them. And it was really useful. It was a great exercise for that because it's all learning. And I think when it comes to the whole sellout thing, it is, it's fascinating because it really is like the life. You know, a lot of people will see, you're in podcast hosting, you travel to podcast movement, you spend a bit of time in the sun at Podfest. You know, you're working in an industry that you really love. It must be all good. You've got a growing company. It is, it is all good. However, what do you do when you wake up at four o'clock every morning? Because you can't sleep thinking about whether or not next day the signups are going to be worse than the day before. And how do you cope with that after four years? Or how do you cope with the the crappy customer that is annoyed at seven o'clock on a Sunday night because they've done something wrong, but they will not let you spend time with your daughter because they are kicking off that their 12 download podcast is not being seen. And and I am... I'm being overly flippant with that. And and I am, because you should, you know, we respect everyone and we handle everyone the same way. But I think when people sort of apply that, should you really be getting acquired? Well, yeah, because then I can actually hire someone else that can give you the best service, means that they can work at a time that suits them so they can take their kid to school on Monday morning because their working life is better suited to working Sundays because that's their circumstance. And guess what? We all do better out of it and we're all happier. So, I do think a lot of people are pretty vicious for no reason. I'll tell you what, it really is a minority of a minority. And it's always the people that, this is another reason we don't have free plans. These are always the people that don't want to pay you, always. And I learned that in agency land. You know, when we were doing agency work, you know, we'd be building product. And um, this is why I never really barter on quotes. Like a builder comes around, he's like, yeah, it's going to be two grand. Like, that seems fine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm like naive because back in the day through agency life, you know, you get people coming in saying, well, we want this, 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 and this, this, and this, this, and this. And you'd quote them and say, why is it that much? They'd be the ones that try and bar to you, but then they wouldn't pay on time. And then they'd kick off to change the scope and then they'd be the ones phoning you on a Sunday night. And and I learned that the hard way. And, and one of the mantras that I always bring into business, which is one of the reasons we don't have a free plan, you should only really do business with people that you get along with. And there's no better way. The second part of that is there's no better way of finding out what people are really like and and whether you get on with them than letting them pay you a little bit of money. Because when someone pays you money, their true nature comes out. Because it's never in any working relationship, it's never a master-servant relationship. What you're doing is you're trading things. It just so happens that the tokenized revenue that I'm trading that, that has been generated by a bank societally is called money. And I'm trading that for another asset that is called time or skill. The people that treat it as a master-servant relationship are always the people that I said, you know what? Anchor's free. And here's, here's how to migrate. Here's an help article on how to migrate. That does sound crass and flippant. And I know that puts some people off. But at the end of the day, they're the same people that, you know, if I was sat in front of them at podcast Movement and said, let's get a beer and talk about why you're annoyed that your podcast episode didn't publish because you uploaded it wrong, you know? They'd be like, oh, I can't, I can't get that beer, I've got to leave. You know, they wouldn't, they don't handle things how we handle it. And I think just to kind of top that off, it's just about being fair. It's just about being a real person. Um, if you do business in a fair way, you build a fair business. And you you also build, you build a customer base that doesn't see you necessarily as someone that that is running a business. They see you as someone they can call upon. And if you think about the, the oldest trades. The oldest relationships in business, they're all based on the fact that I can go down to the butchers and the person's going to know my name, he's going to ask how my kid is, and I'm going to ask how their wife is or their husband is. And we'll continue that relationship for 20 years. And it's no different these days. It's just you're behind the keyboard. So, you know, that is how you build a good business. You know, that is how you do it. That that gives me chills, Mark. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the butchers, isn't it? Yeah. I also <laughs> love butchers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember that just like going into stores with my grandpa or my my dad and just having that relationship no matter where they went with these other small business owners that knew them by name. Every time they go in to the butcher, like you said, like, Hey John, how you doing? You know, I know what order you already want as they're stepping in the store mm-hmm. and and just finding those clients that you can relate with and and it's not a, how much can you give me for, how low can I spend? It's like, okay, your services cost this much. I'm good with that because I'm getting a lot of value out of that.
2: Exactly. And I think it's, it, it's the conversations that you can have as well. I think a lot of people underestimate that. And I think that's where Captivate sort of can stand out a little bit. And where we do stand out is because we come from the background of podcasting because we love podcasting and not because we have to podcast because we're in the industry. A lot of the content that I put out on my show and in the newsletter is very much like these are just business lessons that happen to apply to podcasting. A lot of that communication, like a lot of people sign up for Captivate because they'll say, Matt, you know, I've followed you for 500 episodes. Finally, I've joined Captivate. And I'm all right with that. It's taken 10 years of content to do that. And that's quite all right because I know that person will then will work together. And, you know, there's you guys, there's Kipper, there's Felicia, there's Raf, there's, there's Calm, there's Guthrie, there's a thousand people that when we get back to podcast movement, we, we will chat as friends. It's not, you know, we're not, we're not going to have to go, go off to some silly bloody influencer dinner because it's reserved for the cool people. It's, we're all friends. We're all people. And we'll go and get a beer and we'll go and get some food and we'll go to the bowling alley. We'll do, you know, we'll, we'll hit a gig or whatever at the podcast movement. And, and then on Monday, I'll be back behind my computer. You'll be back behind yours and we'll carry on doing what we do. I do think that a lot of people see the transaction of buying something like a podcast hosting uh, service, and they immediately assume that it's a tech company that's anonymous. One of my nice filters that I always do, like, I've got a very specific approach to, to put customers that are kicking off. If you drop an F-bomb at one of the staff, you get one go. If you do it again, you're out. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you pay, I don't care what you do. Like, you will literally never do that again. And... That works 99% of the time because the first time someone does it, I'll just go in and say, Look, you can't do That's ridiculous, bro. 99.9% of people go, Do you know what? I was having a really bad day. I'm really, yeah, I get it. And I, and then at that point, I'll say, Look, actually, I understand Is it really is crap when you have a bad day. Let me do these three things to help you. And I'll I I'll, I'll usually chuck them on a couple of months' credit. I'll be like, Look, Captivate did nothing wrong, but this might you go and get a beer with that money. All right. And it will be. It's That kind of approach, the other people are like 0.01 percent will be like, You can't talk to me like that. I'm paying you 20 bucks a month. They're like, Well, Anchor's free, yeah, you know, that's <laughs> that's good. Again, I know it sounds flippant and sounds a bit crass, and it's not like the traditional way of doing business. If you think about why you set up in business, like if you imagine your mum, she's like, Why do you set your business up, Matt? No one ever goes, Oh, do you know what? It's so I can work late and, and answer, I can feel bad about going to work because someone's making me feel bad because they're giving me 20 bucks a month. Like, no one ever answers like that. <laughs> I love know? being abused. <laughs> yeah, come on, bring it on. You fat, let me give you money. You abuse me. Let's do it for free. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. And it's, um, the customer never wants to be right. You know, that outdated mantra, the customer's always right. They're not. The customer wants to be heard as a human being. And that is it. And, and they usually want to be helped. And it's, it's our job to help them. And 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 that's why I'm very firm with people. And that's why we've got the brand in the space where it's like, you 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 guys will see it on Twitter, and we, we we talk a lot on Twitter, and you know a lot of people will ask my opinion on stuff on Twitter because they know that I'm not going to sugarcoat it, which sometimes gets me into trouble. But that's all right, you know I can
0: I can deal with that. I uh, uh, yeah I completely agree with you on that. Well, let, let me ask you a question that that hopefully won't get you in trouble. Accessibility. SiriusXM just recently started getting sued. I suppose we we haven't seen the the end of the case yet. But for the lack of transcripts. On their podcasts, Uh, primarily, I I believe the cases surrounding the idea that someone is deaf or hard of hearing and with no transcript, kind of difficult to listen to a podcast, which makes complete sense. However, the lawsuit also kind of does point out the idea that, like, they're looking to set a precedent here uh, by going after SiriusXM to potentially, I guess, go after other large studios. I mean, Mark, as a podcast host and a podcaster, and you in a podcast company, you, you are. In all circle around podcasting, what do you think this means for independent podcasters? Or do you think it's really like a, you know your Siriuss, your Spotifys, your iHearts, you know that group might need to, to do a little bit more? Or do you think it really does trickle down to independent podcasters beyond just the, the notion that you should make your podcast as accessible as you possibly can to reach as many people and just be a good human being?
2: Yeah, it's it's a really fragile balance. And I, I think first and foremost, it's really important to understand that accessibility is vital. And I think, you know, everyone should have a fair chance at, at not only consuming, but creating anything. And I, I do believe that accessibility should be paramount to everyone. And I, I believe when you find an industry that's fairly nascent, like podcasting still is, you know, it doesn't matter what, what, what some of the OGs say, you know, yes, 2005 RSS feeds existed, but, you know, the internet existed since whatever, 93 or even earlier than that, like Uber was a startup 10, 15 years ago. Just because the technology existed doesn't mean the industry was actually an industry at that point. It was just a methodology. So the industry is still very young and it's a nascent industry. And like any nascent industry, you've got, it's got to grow up. Teenagers don't know what they're doing wrong until someone says you're doing something wrong there. So I think we're at that stage. I, I do believe you're right. I think there's a precedent looking to be set here whereby you know we will see other lawsuits taking shape. And I do believe that it will be those bigger companies that bear the brunt of that one. And whilst I don't want to say rightly so, what I will say is that we should be looking to the companies that have got the time, budget, resources, and availability of things like transcripts to lead the way. You know, they should be doing this. And I believe that they, as media companies, not as podcast companies, should be approaching all of their media with accessibility as a prime concern, whether that's video, written, audio, and other type of content. Will it trickle to independent podcasters? No, not short term, it won't. Should we be doing more to be more accessible? Yes, we all should. And therein lies the fragile balance for the actual creator. I can use a tool like Descript, but it costs me money. I can get someone to transcribe my podcast, but it costs me money. If I'm a hobbyist, I think there needs to be a layer of common sense from everyone about whether or not my Star Wars podcast You know, Should it have a transcript? Of course it should. It would be great if we could transcribe it. Realistically, as an independent producer, do we get the time? Do we know how to transcribe it? You've got to remember that not everyone is tech savvy like us. People start podcasts because they love talking. They don't do it because they love tech. We've got to be sensible with this world. So to summarize that, yes, the big people should be doing it. They they should. They have the budget and the resources to lead from the front they should be doing it. Will they get hit with the stick? Yes. Is it right that, that they get hit with the stick? Arguably, and it's a very binary answer, but arguably, yes, it is right that someone has to lead that charge. Will it trickle to Indies? Not quickly. And when it does, I think there needs to be an air of common sense, like GDPR. You know, it's that sort of scenario. You, know, you, you, you go for your big people first that, that you can, number one, make examples of, but that are really going to affect the industry moving forward. Because I think if you see that a big company is being being hit with that stick, you do start to think about things differently from your own perspective. And you start to think to yourself, maybe I could spend a bit of time on transcription. So in, in that sense, it is good. I think the industry needs to move towards it. There needs to be easier solutions. It must get cheaper to transcribe. Yeah.
1: Um, well, it, it does take time to, to do that. So I can
2: understand the cost of it. And you've, you've got to think as well, does it go the other way? Like I script my show, you know, I, I actually these days write my newsletter yes. first. Well, you know, there's the transcription. I just, that's yep. actually me recording that. So it's, I know that's not, it's not great for a narrative podcast or a storytelling one per se, but, you know, I think we can get creative with our processes.
1: What about hosting companies, Mark? What responsibilities should a hosting company have for accessibility
2: issues? Well, I think there's two sides to that, John. So I think you've got the, the, the ability for podcast hosting platforms to themselves become more accessible. And we're all trying at that one because that inevitably never stops. You can always do better, but very often you're a small team balancing. You know, for every 10 people that need accessibility, you've got 10 people wanting something else and another 10 people wanting something else. So it's always a balance. But I think our prime goal overall as an industry, it, you know, the, the tech sector, Part of podcasting should be to always have our platforms and our interactive elements to be as accessible as possible. The other side of that is, you know, educating our podcasters on why accessibility matters to them. So we do a lot of content with Descript, we do a lot around transcripts with them. We support transcripts, we support the podcast 2.0 tags. We've got a place in Captivate that allows uh, direct import from Descript or the uploading of SRT files or the correct input, you know, manually of of transcriptions. We support timestamping against those transcriptions. I do think that's sort of a double-edged sword with that one, I think you've got the the ability for us to remain accessible as companies, as well as educating our creators on why they must be accessible to their consumers. Mark, what are your personal beliefs on the
1: accuracy of a transcript? Does it need to be 100% accurate? Or can you go with like a TEMI where it's automatically transcribed, but there might be some context issues?
2: I think you've got to just uh, again employ an air of common sense. I'm I'm from Northern England, so you know descripting and the rest of the tools do not get a lot of the stuff I say, and I talk super quick, so it's tough. But I think I would employ the logic that good and available is better than perfect and never done. You know, our responsibility as people creating the transcript is to make sure that context is alive and that context is well, and that we can clearly discern what we are truly talking about from those transcripts. But You know, if you spell a sponsor name wrong, yes, that's a pain in the neck, but that's not the end of the world because the link still exists. It's about common sense. Good and available is better than perfect and not.
0: Well, I want to say that obviously, like you mentioned, Mark, you know, Captivate has the transcript feature. You guys have that on there. And even for that matter, you you can view it from the player, which is I don't think I've seen that anywhere else. Up to date, so like you guys are already ahead of the curve, which obviously is is something we've talked about throughout this entire episode, but that's awesome, so it, it, at the very least captivate setup up for it for those people out there thinking about well, maybe I should transcribe it, maybe I should well you know how, how do I do it uh captivate will will help you out on that front uh to at least be able to put it up there, even if it's not necessarily on your website or anything like that. so uh, I, I think that's a huge step forward. Do you think that twenty twenty two is gonna continue? the boom of podcasting, or do you think things kind of start to dip down a little bit? Do you have any projections for what 2022 is going to bring for the industry? I think we'll start to see more and more deals, um, talent acquisition deals, but I think
2: we're going to start to see more and more conscientious deals um, where people will not spend silly money to acquire talent. I think you're going to start to see people focusing on nurturing talent that might be a sort of mid-range, mid-level podcast that can be turned into a superstar. Podcaster, I think I do believe that that will be the shift that we start to see. So I think we are going to see more people that that a lot of people have heard of, but that aren't in the mass populace yet, become mass podcasting stars. Maybe that's towards the end of the year. I, th- I just think this year we're going to start to see a bit of a shift from you know people spending a lot of money to acquire talent on a three four year contract. I, I think that we're going to start to see a little bit more a little bit more of the indie the creator zone. You know, really starting to step into the monetization realm and and. and you're going to start to seeing independent creators making more money from a smaller audience, and that I think that trend has been going on for the last four or five years, and I think it will only perpetuate through this year because there's you know there's a range of more diverse tools like the tools that we've got coming out with Captivate to, to help with that. So yeah, I think that will be the big shift, and I think there'll be a lot more tech consolidation. I expect at least a couple more host acquisitions, and yeah, I, I think it will continue for this year, definitely.
0: Awesome. Well, everyone. Uh, that's Mark Asquith, the co-founder of Captivate and Rebel Base Media. You can obviously find him on Twitter at Mr. Asquith, if I'm correct. That is me, yes. M-R-A-S-Q-U-I-T-H, uh, also known as That British Podcast Guy. Uh, so make sure to go check him out. Go, go get on Captivate. Go check that out. As always, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a blast, and, and we hope to have you back soon to talk more about podcasting.
2: Oh, I am always available to you guys. Thank you for what you guys are doing for, for, for the industry and for the people in your communities and, and, and the wider industry o- overall. So yeah, always available for you too.
0: Awesome, awesome.
2: Thank you, Mark. Well, thank you,
0: man. That's all for this month's podcast news and opinions. If you like what you've heard or found it valuable, please subscribe to our podcast and leave reviews wherever you get your podcast set. Also, make sure to check out our other shows, the Q'd Up Podcast on Podcasting, where I teach you how to make better podcast content, sound better on the mic, and grow your podcast audience. We also have, cover to cover, our podcast all about audiobooks. From writing to marketing, host Isabel Monjo helps independent authors turn their traditional books into top-selling audiobooks. And as always, check us out on Twitter at QDUPAudio, and go to our blog at MyPodcastAgency.com for even more great podcast advice and opinions.